Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to start, we're going to start there. Get Matthew chapter 22, and we'll take a look at something real quick. So, um, as you all know, folks online paying attention, following along with us, uh, we've been dealing in the Sunday school hour with uh, the basis, or the basis, back to the basics, right? Uh, we start off with salvation because that's where everything has to start. Uh, we talked about last time that uh, without the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you're not going to understand the Scriptures. So in order to be able to understand the Scriptures and find out where they are and all that stuff, then we want to make sure that we get that right off the bat to begin with um, because we know that the Spirit teaches and compares spiritual things with spiritual. Amen. Now, and again, we've mentioned that before, it's not spiritual things with spiritual things. A lot of times people take that verse and say, well, that's comparing Scripture with Scripture. Um, really what it is is taking spiritual things and the spiritual who is the person, the believer, and comparing things there. So it's not verse with verse, although that's what we do, right? Precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, right? That, that's that verse for that. So the comparing spiritual things with spiritual isn't dealing with compare verse with verse. That's something different. That's the Holy Spirit taking the things that you've put inside your soul and comparing, having you think through that, that information. So um, in order to understand the Scriptures, you've got to have salvation. Now, that's where we start off. Then we talked about the fact that now that you're saved, if you are saved, that there is a uh, status that you have. Your status has been changed, not only in, in certain things, but also in the fact that you now have an identity with Christ that you didn't have before. Uh, we were in Adam. We were taken out of Adam. We were placed into Christ into living union with Jesus Christ, and that's what Romans 6, 7, and 8 is dealing with. Romans 9, 10, and 11 deals with those dispensational issues, right? Um, we went through, went through the chart came, that came from Ephesians chapter 2. We went through all that stuff uh, all the way from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Um, then the next thing, chapters 12 through 16 in the book of Romans deals with so now that I've got all this information, what do I do with it? Well, you go take that information and you go live it. And that's what we started dealing with, specifically dealing with a local assembly and how that works in the church. Uh, and we talked about those things and spent a lot of time on those and uh, probably made some folks mad, but the truth hurts. So praise the Lord for that. So then what we've done now is we've gotten into the issue of there's a Bible that you can believe, right? There were five things we talked about before that there's a gospel that you can believe, a Bible you can trust, a Bible study you can understand, a life you can live, a hope that sustains you, right? We've talked about those for years. Um, now that we're now we want to get to the part that we have this book that we can trust, right? Um, what what's it mean for something to be trustworthy? Can it be incorrect? Can it be wrong in one point and still be trustworthy? No. No. So then that's where those things, like Bruce brings up the, the verses and compares them and brings up the NIV and some of those things. And we talked the last time about what happened with that is there's actually 
it's not really a translation issue. It's more the manuscript from which the translations are translated from. Right? It's not that, well, it should, it should read this because it reads better. Or, you know, it makes more sense if we add this word in to make it flow better. Well, the reason certain things aren't in there, for instance, like Mark chapter 9, the last few verses in Mark chapter 9, most Bibles, they don't exist there. They don't like it. Well, there's two reasons. One, they don't like it. Two, it's not in the original manuscript that they're translating from. So there's two problems with that. They don't like it because they can't explain what's going on in Mark chapter 9. Because shouldn't we see, if Mark chapter 9 was true, shouldn't we see, and if that stuff is going on today, shouldn't we be able to see people take up serpents and not be harmed? Shouldn't we see people drink deadly things and it shall not harm them? Yeah. But we understand how to deal with those verses and we want them in the book because we believe them. We just know that they're not for today. That's all cleared up based on that dispensational aspect. Now, um, we bring those things up because what a lot of them have started doing lately is they'll still put those verses in, but then at the bottom it'll say certain, certain manuscripts didn't have those in there. We'll put them in there so that you can't fuss and fight about them not being in anymore. We'll just tell you that they weren't in there. And it's always the oldest and the best manuscripts. And they're neither old nor best. They're not even better. They're not even good. It's a mess. And, and how is it that started off? So, little pop quiz. So, some of you should remember as we've gone through here, there's five things that started off in Genesis chapter 3 when we talked about this, right? And you can consult notes. That's okay. What were the five things that we saw that shows up in Genesis chapter 3? What was the very first thing that Satan did in Genesis chapter 3? Yeah, so, so he questioned God's word, right? So the issue there is what? Question. Question in the final authority. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that we've talked about before is the book that we have in front of us is our final authority in all things. If it says it, it is true. And it doesn't matter what I feel about that or what somebody else feels about that, but if it says it, that's true, right? Otherwise, we're no better than that. And that's kind of what it comes down to. A lot of times, I don't know how many of you all have been in, involved in like newer type of Bible studies, um, which is more of a, tell me what you think this verse means to you. Well, that's a problem, right? But, so the very first thing was Satan questions God's word. What was the next thing? Traps from All right, before that one, well, I don't care about the order, but before that one we talked about what? So Eve added, right? And then Eve subtracted. And then what? We need some Jeopardy music. I know. <laughs> then Eve watered it down, right? She said, lest we die. Right. And then the fifth and final one, Outrageous. and it's interesting, one in five was Satan. The other three was Eve and her response to his questioning. Satan denied the word. He denied it, right? Yeah. So 
What's interesting about that we talked about is not only does he deny it, but he actually denies the actual words that God used, right? He said, thou shalt not surely die. He didn't water it down like Eve did with lest. He said, you're not going to die. And so he takes what God says and says the exact opposite to deny what God actually said. Now, what happens there is a little bit later on, what happens out of that is Satan says, I will give you some wisdom. All right, God's holding something back from you and I want to give it to you. And what that wisdom is, is really it's the basis of all human wisdom. And we talked about it before. The battle between God and Satan isn't power. Because God can create, Satan can't. That's power. What it comes down to is wisdom. And without getting too much into it, what do we know about Lucifer when he was first created? Now what's interesting is a lot of people always ask, why would God create Satan? He didn't. He created Lucifer. Mm -hmm. Lucifer became Satan. So that's one of those things. So when he first created Lucifer, how did he create him? Perfect in wisdom. Until iniquity was found in him. Until iniquity was found in him. And what happened to his wisdom is what? It was corrupted. So then, that's interesting, don't you think? Because Satan's corrupted wisdom that he's offering to Eve is where all these other books come from. They're corrupted. The text from which they're written from and translated from is corrupted because it's that human, vis that, that human wisdom viewpoint stuff. So that's the issue is... Wisdom, God's wisdom compared to Satan's wisdom. And we finished off with that the last time over in 1 Corinthians, but uh, we'll get, well, let's just start there. Hold your place in Matthew 22. We'll be back to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. When God created Lucifer, He created him full of wisdom. But notice uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Paul's talking here, he says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. <clears throat> that, here's the purpose. Why is it important for him to, for them to know that it's not His power or His wisdom, but the Holy Spirit's power and Holy Spirit's wisdom? Is why? That your faith should not, re should not stand in the wisdom of men. Right? That's, this is what we're dealing with here, right? That wisdom that came from Satan that he was offering up to, to Eve. Um, Howbeit we speak... I skip something. Verse 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. 
that wisdom. What's interesting is when you start looking at this, God has a program that he calls wisdom. And what we hear, what we have here is there is a mystery, the hidden wisdom, even the hidden wisdom of God, which was not spoken of, that was ordained before the world began. Right? We've talked about that as well. But there's information there that God kept secret from Lucifer when he fell and his wisdom was corrupted. What was one of his boasts is that you can't keep a secret from me. And that's exactly what God did. And that's to prove that God's wisdom is greater than Satan's wisdom. Now, let's get back to what we're dealing with. Last time we talked about inspiration, right? Inspiration has to do with the issue of what? We remember from last time. Inspiration has to do with what? God breathed, right? God spoke. Right? We talked about we talked about that the last time. When when you look at inspiration, it's God breathed. And we looked at the verses last time about how it's the Holy Spirit that speaks, or David speaks by the mouth of the Holy Ghost or whatever it is, right? So that was the issue with inspiration is the fact that God spoke them, right? Psalm one nineteen verse eighty nine says what? Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. Where? In heaven. And all God's done is he's used man to bring his word to us to where we can actually have it. Now, last time we were talking about the fact of inspiration is the fact that God breathed. Preservation is really what we're going to be looking at today. And notice this in Matthew 22. Matthew chapter 22, verse 31. So this, of course, is is Jesus Christ responding to to the Sadducees. Verse 31, um, he's dealing with the resurrection here. Verse 31, he says, But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying... Now, pause there for just a second. What's he tell the Sadducees? Have ye never what? Read. Notice, that which was spoken unto you by who? God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of, Je- and, uh, and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now, pause that for just a second. Where is Jesus Christ quoting that from? It's, it's Exodus chapter 3. Right? So when we go take a look at that, we can go back there. Christ is telling the Sadducees that what? You have an opportunity to read what Moses wrote. So what does that mean? They have a copy of what Moses wrote so that they can actually go pick it up and read it. When Christ goes in as a young boy into the synagogue and he picks up Isaiah and he starts reading through Isaiah, that's because they have a preserved copy of what Isaiah actually wrote. Right? And we'll see, we'll see some of those things as we go down through there. But 
he goes back and he's quoting Exodus chapter 3, right? And he's saying, you can read it. In fact, he says, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God? He's saying, you all have a copy of it. You can go read it. Haven't you read it? You should read it and you should know that God is the God of the living, not of the dead. They should be able to know that. They can go and look at that and read it. Why? Because it has been preserved. They have a copy of it. Um, real quick, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 30. And I just want to look at some of these verses just to kind of um, lay, lay the foundation down for us to be able to see how this works. And we've kind of we let it out right now anyway, but and we've talked about it before. But <clears throat> go, back to, uh, go back to Isaiah chapter 30. Um, and also, while we're back here, get, uh, get Daniel. Get Daniel chapter 9. <clears throat> I want us to be able to see something. Because to me, it's, it, it, it's, really, it's really one of those things like, here it is. And, and what we've talked about is, we want to find out what does the Scripture say about itself, right? I'm, I'm not interested in, because I've had these conversations with kids at school, and it's, yeah, but so-and-so says, that's not the issue, because so-and-so has now become your final authority and not the book. And that's always a scary place to be. Notice in Isaiah chapter 30, let's look at, uh, we'll start off here in verse, verse 7. Um, <clears throat> notice, 30, Isaiah 30 verse 7. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this, their strength is to sit, is to sit still. Now go, what's those next two words? Write it. Before them in a what? A table. And note it in a what? Book. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to write it in a table and note it in a book. Notice. Why? That it may be for the time to come for what? Forever. Ever and ever. So then what happens is Isaiah here is talking about there's something that he is to write down in a table in a book for a particular purpose. And that purpose is what? That it may be for the time to come forever and ever. What that has to do with is why do you write it down is to what? Preserve it. Now, I've never had to do this, and, and you all can answer this in your mind. Have you ever been to a deposition or watched a TV show where they've done depositions, and what they're doing is they're recording on video and on paper things that you say because they're going to hold you accountable to the things that you've said. What's going on here is God is saying, I want you to write down in a table and in a book to preserve so that you have a written record of what I plan to do. That's that preservation. 
So they're preserving on, on tape, video, cassette, and on paper, they're preserving the words that you speak. Now, what God's doing here is he's saying, I want you to write to preserve the things that I speak for a particular purpose so that the time has come forever and ever. Now, go over to Daniel chapter 9 real quick. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 9. Did I tell you Daniel chapter 9? Or did I just say Daniel? Okay. That was two minutes ago, so I forgot. <clears throat> I think I've got the mind of an 80-year-old sometimes, sure. and I'm nowhere near it's that. It does get worse, doesn't it? Um, but I want, us, I want us to notice something here real quick. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of, uh, of, uh, of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books. So this idea of this book, what does it allow Daniel to do? I understand by books. Now, we looked at Job, what was it, 32.8 last week and talked about the fact that the wisdom that God gives, the understanding that God gives is because of the inspiration it produces this, right? Notice, in the, in, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So if you go over there, what does Daniel have? By the way, you got to think, where is Daniel right now? He's in bondage, right? The slave, he's in that, that, that Babylonian slavery issue that they've got. One of the things we talked, we've not really talked about much, northern ten tribes, they go off into Assyrian captivity. The southern two tribes go off into Babylonian captivity. Uh, the northern tribes go first. And it was a, you, you go and read, um, I just lost it, Hosea. You go read Hosea and you find out that that with the Assyrian, the northern tribes going to Assyria because they were worse off, which you kind of think, how could they be worse off? They're both end up in the same. These people up here decided we're going to go and we're going we're gonna to take Baal worship and we're going we're gonna to run with it. And the southern tribes are like, hey, they were doing pretty good, so maybe we should bring in Baal worship too, right? The northern tribes' captivity was a warning to the southern tribes before they went in captivity. So it's interesting. Hey, here's another shot. <laughs> if you're not going into this, but they still chose to. Now, what's interesting is that's where Daniel is now. And what, what takes place is, um, this is kind of off, off topic, but the times of the Gentiles, that's one of those things, and we don't really, I kind of hate to even bring this up, but when, when, when you go back in Daniel chapter 1, when they first start there, that's when the first time that God allows... Israel to be under a Gentile rulership and say the Gentile nations are going to run the governments and we live in a, in a world now <laughs> that's a product of 
the Gentile governments, and it's been created and created over and over again. But that time of the Gentiles, there, there's something we can get into with that sometime later. But I kind of throw that out there just to kind of get us an idea of where we are. But what is it that, that, that David knew? He understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So you go over to Jeremiah chapter 20, 25, and Daniel could understand by the books, and it's not just one, other, other books as well, but he's got them. He's got the book of Jeremiah. He can read Jeremiah. That means that Jeremiah has been preserved for Daniel to have. Now, pause there for a second. You go back over to Jeremiah 36. What happened to the original scriptures that Jeremiah wrote down was it was destroyed. So then what we're starting to see is, and we talked about this a long time ago, if you go look at Jeremiah 36, you see the revelation of God, the inspiration of God, the preservation of God, and the illumination of God taking place right there in, in, in Jeremiah 36. And it's really fascinating because we've, we've gone through that and looked at that. But Jeremiah rewrote it. So then David has a copy of the book of Jeremiah. Did he have the original transcript, the original manuscript of Jeremiah? No. He had a copy of it. And we'll see that as we go through. Um, let's get some other verses here. Um, I know I'm running out of time. Get Psalm chapter 12. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 12. This is, this is one of those things that I want us to be able to see and kind of remind ourselves of. Psalm chapter 12, verse 6. Psalm chapter 12, verse 6. Now, one of the things that I will say is Psalm 12, 6 is often used as a verse to say that you know for a fact that the King James Bible is talked about right here. I don't think that's what it is. But that's often used for that. Notice, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. So what, what a lot of people will do is they'll say that's the seventh translation in English and that's the purified. Question, is prophecy being fulfilled today? No. Are you sure? Because that verse is used to prove it. So we kind of got to think, do we, want, do we want what it says or do we want what we want it to say sometimes, right? So that's one of those things. That would mean that God is prophesying in Psalm 12 about the King James Bible that's going to take place in a dispensation that he's never spoken about. You know, we've got to think, <laughs> we've got to think about some stuff. It wouldn't, be a secret, would it? wouldn't be a secret then. So to take that verse and say, well, that's over here. If you want to do that, that's fine. I'm not going to say don't. But what he's talking about there is God's word is what? Pure. The pure word of God is going to be, verse 7, Thou shalt keep them. What's the next two words? Oh, Who's going to keep them? The Lord will. Thou shalt what? Preserve them. Preserve them from just this generation. How long? Forever. 
who's keeping it and who's preserving it? The Lord. Lord. So this is a promise that God is going to preserve His Word. Always and forever. That's a very long time. It's not a short period of time. It's a long time. That's forever. It doesn't end. So then, when we think about this, what, 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 what God's saying is, I want you to write something down on the table and, and, and mark it in a book that, that people will have it out there in the ages to come. And if it's out there in the ages to come, what's that mean? It has to be here now, right? So, like I said, if you want to take that verse and say that's King James, that's fine. I, I'm, I'm not going to fuss and fight with you if you want to do that. That's fine. But I kind of have some problems with that. Does that mean the King James isn't? No. King James is the right one. It is preserved. It's a copy, a translated copy of God's Word, and it is God's Word. You got to be careful when you say things nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's watching, and they want to look for that little chink in your armor. And so you kind of be careful with those things. So think about that stuff as you go through. We've already looked at Psalm 119.89. We've talked about that one. Um, Let's go over Psalm 119. We'll get a couple other verses along with that. Psalm 119, uh, verse 89. We'll just start there. We've already talked about it, but that's okay. Psalm 119, verse 89. There's a couple other verses we want to look at here, but first 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. How many generations? Guess what? That means everybody's going to have to have it. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. Drop down to verse 111. Thy thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. Wouldn't it, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be a great thing to say that the book that you have in front of you is the rejoicing of your heart? Verse 152. Concerning thy testimonies, and that's the written word of God, I have known of old that thou hast founded them, past tense, forever. No end. Verse 160. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth how long? Forever. So then, one of those things we, we, we go through and we talk about, Paul brings up, a, Paul brings up an issue, and he talks about um, muzzling the ox and the... the the worker is worthy of his reward. And he's quoting two, two verses. One's in the Old Testament. One's in the New Testament. And Paul calls them both Scripture. Because they've been preserved. Right? Um, go over to Matthew chapter 5. I think this is one that Bruce brought up this morning. Matthew chapter 5. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now the interesting thing about that is, and we talked about this as we went through Matthew chapter 5, a jot and a tittle are punctuation marks. In fact, what's, what's also interesting is, you know, if you go back there and you think of like the letter I in, in, in our terms, if that goes away, that means that verse is wrong, right? You go back and you look in, 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 uh, in, in the book of Psalms and he's got the, the Hebrew alphabet, right? Have you gone through that and seen that? There's little, there's little things like you might have an I and then it might have like a little, little thing down there at the bottom. And that's what he's talking about. That little bitty thing that you all can't see from the back, that little bitty thing won't go away. So then when somebody comes along and says, well, that verse shouldn't be in your Bible, that's bigger than that, right? If somebody comes along and says, the word of and to should be different in your Bible. You know, Paul says he's, he's, he's going to go, what? He's going to be, well, let's go look at it, Galatians. Galatians chapter 2, verse 7. <clears throat> Galatians 2, 7. But contrary wise, when they saw that the gospel of the circumcision was committed unto me, that word of in new versions changes it to two. Is that a big deal? Yeah. Is that bigger than a little jot or tittle? It's just one word. It doesn't really matter, right? It's just one word. It's easier to read, right? It does matter. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier to read. It's easier to teach your false doctrines what it is. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Um, you know, that word of there, and then was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. Again, that's another one that's changed. Well, it's just one word. That doesn't matter, right? Well, Christ says if one little speck of a letter goes away, that's not good. Um, and again, we talked about trustworthiness and, and things like that. Go, go real quick. I, I don't want to... We'll, we'll, well, I don't want to do that yet. Because we're going to talk about some of the corruptions next time. And by the way, we could do a series that would last forever on the corruptions. Um, but I, I, I want to focus on just a few. Go back real, real quick with me to... Um, Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy chapter 17. And I want us to see something that, that God sets up of how He's going to preserve the written words that were written in a book. All right. So again, what I want us to think about is there's God's wisdom and man's wisdom. Man's wisdom came from this. 
God's wisdom is better than that. And so then, when we take a look at this, you're going to have, and we, again, I want us to remind ourselves, Moses When he went up against Janus and Jambres, that's a picture of these two systems. Moses, Janus, and Jambres, did it look like they did the same thing? Looked like it. In multiple ways, right? Casting down of the, the rod turns the snake, also turning water into blood. They did something that looked just like what Moses did but it was inferior to what Moses did because the God that they the gods that they were serving is inferior to the God that Moses was serving so that's the and it's all throughout scripture we see this Paul talks about people who have in a form of godliness but denying the power thereof they're down here it looks the same sounds the same and I've said this before they might be able to draw a chart. They might even have a chart put up. And they might talk about some certain things. It sounds good, but it's not the same. And that's why it's so important for us to get in the book so that when we hear something that's different, we're like, that's not what the book says, right? And we've got to be mindful of that to be able to set up those things because I'm telling you, the closer and closer we get, when Paul talks about there's those that depart from the faith, it's going to be a small departure that you probably may not notice unless you're in the book all the time and you know what to look for. Because there's a lot of sneaky people out there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's something real small, but subtle. subtle. Who's that remind us of? Satan, right? In the Garden of Eden. He was more subtle than any beast of the field. Paul even brings it up to the Corinthians saying, you know, that lest, lest uh, somebody else comes along and they're subtle like Satan was subtle and they speak another gospel as it does talks about in Galatians or, or another Jesus or another spirit. Can, can you talk about... By the way, this is kind of a side note. We'll get to these two verses. We'll finish up. But when we talk about those, those small differences, right? Can you preach Jesus Christ according to the earthly ministry and be scriptural? Can you preach Jesus Christ according to Revelation of the Mystery and be scriptural? Yes. See where the problem is with that? Mm -hmm. I've got verses. So do I. So then we've got to decide who's right and who's wrong. Who do we go to? That's the trouble. Who's it speaking to? Who's it speaking to? So there's, there's things that we've got to understand from God's Word, how to study it. And it's God's Word says which one we're doing, right? So then you take those things, you you, you got to, you know, just kind of be careful. Can you preach another Jesus and still be scriptural? Can you preach a Jesus and not be scriptural? Yes. Yeah. So when, when Paul talks about preaching another gospel, which is not another, because it's scriptural but they've added something to it. Little things. All right, I'm off my soapbox. Deuteronomy 17. 
verse 14. Now, this is, this is something that's dealing with the king. And I want us to notice something here real quick. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell, dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me, like as the nations that are about me. By the way, God didn't want somebody to be king over Israel. They said, we want to be just like the other nations. We want you to set up a king for us. And eventually God says, all right, let's do this. Now, that wasn't his original, that wasn't his original plan, and we see this here. But they, they're saying, we want to be just like all the other nations. Verse 15. Thou shalt in, in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose, one from among thy brethren, shalt thou set king over thee, Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses. Forasmuch as the Lord hath said unto you, Ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall, shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Could you imagine if our government worked that way today? <laughs> Sometimes you're like, man, I wouldn't mind being under some of this stuff right there. Here's my issue. Notice in verse 18. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. Do you know what God's doing there? He's saying, when a king comes up, what does the king do? He writes a copy of God's Word down so that he has his own personal copy. And you start thinking of the kings that they had, how many copies they had. What God's doing is He's setting up, here's how I'm going to preserve my Word, and it's through copies. Not the original, the copies. Where was the original? What was with the Levites? They were the ones that were supposed to read it and to, 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 to just read it, really. But they're also the ones that ended up going into bell worship and bringing bell worship in and all this other stuff because they were going after filthy lucre. Reminds you of stuff today, right? Now, go real quick over to 2 Timothy and we'll finish up with this one. And I kind of mentioned this before. And... <clears throat> This is, one, this is one that a lot of people don't like. But I want us to think, think this through real quick. 2 Timothy chapter 14. My bad. You knew what I said. You knew what I meant. Chapter 3, verse 14. Like, what kind of Bible are you reading from? Second <laughs> Timothy chapter 83. No. <laughs> chapter 3, verse 14. Thank you. <clears throat> now, Paul's talking to Timothy here in verse 14. He says, But continue in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Notice, and that from a child thou hast known the what? The Holy, the Holy Scriptures. Question. Does Timothy have the original transcripts and the original manuscripts of, 
of Genesis through Malachi? And does he have the original manuscripts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and pretty much everything up until 2 Timothy yet? I'm pretty sure he has copies. He has copies of it. Not only that, question, does he have the Hebrew text in Hebrew, or does he have the Hebrew text in Greek? He has it in Greek. Now, this is where a lot of people don't like what we say. Timothy has a copy of God's Word in his own language, and what did Paul just call them there? Holy scriptures. scriptures. Holy Scriptures. So when we say we have a copy of God's Word in our language, we can say that this King James Bible is Scriptures, based on the fact that God has preserved His Word throughout time. And what we can do, this right here, he says what? And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And he says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So what happens is people say, well, that means that the King James Bible was inspired. No, the King James Bible was the preserved Word of God's inspired Word. In our language. People don't like that. Oh, man, they, hate that. <laughs> they despise that. They don't like this verse. Right. And what a lot of people do is they'll say, well, 2 Timothy 3.16, you can't use that for inspiration because the Bible can't tell you about itself. Well, the problem is the Bible can tell us about itself and we should look to the Bible to find out what it tells us about itself. And so then when we come along as we say we have... In the King James Bible, in the English language, we have the preserved Word of God that was inspired. Now, that doesn't mean the King James Bible was inspired because the original Word, the words that God spoke was inspired, right? We have the preservation of it in this book. Without error, nothing missing. What's supposed to be is in there is in there. What's not supposed to be in there is not in there. What we have is a complete book. Because we, we have an almighty God who's created a complete group of people and says, I'm going to give you a complete book so that you can know from this time forever that you can know and you're going to, you can say right there, God says, here's what my word says. Now, like I said, Timothy there had a copy, just like what we read back in Deuteronomy 17, Timothy had a copy. It was the original Hebrew. It wasn't even the original Greek. It was his copy, his own personal copy that he learned from his mother and grandmother. That's important for us to know because when we talked about the generations and the godly generations, that's what that is. How's God going to preserve his word today? He does it through people who preserve his word. He's going to do it. How's he set it up? Through copies. Right, So, one of the things a lot of people come up and say, yeah, but what about other languages? That's a completely different issue. King James is the English Bible. Now, the idea, well, it's hard to read. Well, do you know what you have to do? First, you have to read it. You have to study it. It's going to let you know what's, what's what. It, it will take care of itself. We've often said this before. Let the Word of God do the work of God. Don't try to do the work for him. Don't try to do the work in his stead. 
Let the Word of God take care of itself. Now, when we go through here and think about these things, that's what I want us to keep in mind is, and like I said, a lot of people don't like, like when you say that we have God's Word, but it's preserved in the English language of God's inspired Word. He had a translation there. Now that can't open up a whole can of other worms and say, okay, well, which translation is which? Well, that's what we'll talk about next week, some of those issues. Like I said, the stuff that's supposed to be in there is in there. And if it's got one mistake, throw it out. Question. Are you going to talk about the corruption next week? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we might... Go ahead, go ahead and ask your question. Huh? I said, "Will you remember your question?" Well, just go ahead and go ahead and, and First speak John it. First John five seven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about it? Uh huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the, the corrupt text, it's not. And it's a, it's a note in the corrupt text, yeah. But it's not in uh, the majority it's not, text? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not, it, so it's in there, in mm-hmm. that one? Mm-hmm. It's not a note? Mm-hmm. Okay. There's two lines of manuscripts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alexander yeah. And, and, and the one from Antioch. Yeah, and the one from Antioch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the received text. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to point out was in Matthew, mm-hmm. when, when Jesus says, Have you not read? Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Paul. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know. To me, that's like evidence that he was taught by Christ. Yeah. No, and he was, and he was. But no, that's that's a good point. Um. But yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about those. We'll talk about those um, next week because I, I definitely want to get into some of the corruptions, and uh, we'll we'll definitely get to that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any other questions, comments, concerns? <clears throat>